just got back was happy to hear that last part because a lot of people think they care about others uh they care about others like them exactly like we tend to group and and say oh you're you're safe because you're like me and you're comfortable and I'm not going to lie that I, as a neurodivergent person, find it much easier to relate to and understand other people who are neurodivergent. People who are neurotypical are very confusing to me. Your thought processes and the way that you approach the world is very alien to my brain. But that doesn't mean that you are less important. But it is easier for me to hang out with neurodivergent people and to therefore just group myself with neurodivergent people. And it could very easily fall into the trap of saying neurotypical people aren't good and aren't important and they don't listen and they don't value us and therefore they have no value. It's a very slippery slope that we need to be very careful not to fall down. And I think that in this country, in America, we have like, woo, way down into the dip ditch wait we're like we're like so far down that slope that it's gonna be a fucking mountain to climb to get back out of that slope that is the general attitude of humanity at large there is nothing inherently wrong with feeling like this and i'm not saying that you are being an awful person or inherently hateful for this i just feel that it is important to be aware that it can be hard to parse who is actually an objectively bad person versus who has societally who society has told you is bad due to them being unwanted or inconvenient by the ruling body. And this is where we talk about biases, whether they're cognitive biases, social biases. Um, by nature of being a bias, it is really difficult for us to root it out of our brain. And when we have these biases, it is a really easy trap to fall into, especially when we espouse self and other. I feel that if someone has wronged you in some way, it is completely fine to have hatred towards them as long as you still treat them with respect. <clears throat> if someone has uh, done something, absolutely nothing against you, I feel like you should still treat them with respect. So I feel like there's a certain amount of respect afforded to all human beings just because you are a human being, regardless of what they have done to you. And when I talk about respect, I mean not this like social nods of like courtesy i mean that every human being deserves to have their needs met um every human being deserves to be live to be alive and to have what they need to maintain that aliveness and i think that that needs to be afforded and protected regardless of what they have done as individuals and you don't have to like everyone by any means, but that should not be a reason to be hateful to somebody. Absolutely. There's difference between liking and respecting someone's um, rights. Like there, th nobody is going to be liked by everybody and that's okay. Like I don't like everybody. I don't expect everybody to like me. That's okay. But I do expect everybody to respect that I have needs and afford me those needs. Like I feel that all human beings are entitled to enough food to not starve to death, housing that will keep them safe, clothing. You know, we, we, we all have basic human needs that should be federally legally protected things that should be afforded to us simply because we exist. I'm still shocked at the number of biases I've shed on my journey to becoming a flaming left winger what shocks me is how reasonable those biases seemed at the time well and that's the thing about biases and false thoughts is that 
because they were fundamentally part of our programming that we call being raised, like when you raise children, what you're really doing is you're programming your cultural standards into their brain. And one of the things that we often get stuck on are these things that we were taught as children. And they're so inherently a part of our brain that we don't think to question them. We don't think to challenge them. And it's really easy to get stuck back onto those biases. And yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. And I think that a lot of people like don't even really understand where their political typology is. And I think that there's value in, in exploring that. And a lot of Americans are like, oh, there's only two types. Well, that's not true. There, there are nine classifications of political typology in this country. Um, and, you know, where you are in that category is definitely going to be very revealing as to like what you value and where your ethics are and what your morals are. And I think that we all as responsible adults should be reevaluating where we stand on our morals and our ethics and really um, allow ourselves to challenge why we have the belief systems that we have and ask the question of who does this benefit? Who benefits from me living my life this way? Who gets the reward? And it's often very telling when you look at the rewards and who gets them when we look at systemic racism and systemic ableism and all of the isms. Because it usually isn't the individual who is propagating that stuff. It is the people who are benefiting are the people who benefit from corporatization of marginalized groups that, again, that indentured servitude. And we can't justify indentured servitude if we are really believing and spousing and morally valuing all humans as equal. We can't justify it. And no, we're not equal. Nature isn't equal, it's random. So yeah, there there is this, this randomness. So you're right, but it's not really equality that this conversation is centering on. It's talking about equity. So yes, inherently by nature, people who are neurotypical and people who are neurodivergent are different based on a genetic lottery. Absolutely. So we are not equal individuals. We are not treated the same, nor should we be. Equity does not say that we should be treated the same. Equity says that we should be given what we need. And that's what's important is we should be valuing what people need as individuals. And that should be respected, even when it's different than what we need as an individual. I'm waiting for high school to join theater, yet I'm also dreading it because I know that I will be caught in a cycle of homelessness when I graduate. Um, I hope that, that that's not the case for you, but unfortunately that is the case for many people and it sucks a lot. What does equity look like to me? Um, equity is a very complicated, can't paint one simple picture. Equity means that everyone's needs are being met. That's what equity means. And that means that we don't take care of wants before we take care of needs. It means that we make sure that everyone has access so that if someone can't walk, they can still access the building because there's wheelchair ramps. 
Um, equity means that everyone is fed with food that is safe for them to consume, even if that food looks different than what we're used to eating. Um, equity is about meeting the needs, even when those needs are different for every human being. So painting a general overarching picture of what equity looks like it isn't something that I can just give you one sentence and say, this is what equity looks like. Partly because I've never seen it. I've never seen a culture that has equity. I, I've never lived in that culture. I have never been treated in an equitable way. I have always been in the marginalized groups. I have always been demonized. So I don't know what equity looks like. Um, but I do know that equity means that we prioritize people's needs rather than wants. And it means that we're taking care of people's basic needs before we're allowing corporations to break in billions of dollars of profits. Everyone should be given food and medicine and water. Yeah, basic fundamental needs. Because I have like no qualities, I have bad memory loss and feel if I am able to keep a job, it will be something like fast food. Although I'm aiming for a job in a small bookstore near me, which I might be able to work at. When you have cognitive dysfunction or um, executive dysfunction, this culture absolutely does not treat you equitably. And, I, and I'm sorry that you're facing this challenge. They can build their own house. It's not as easy as building your own house because somebody owns that land. And there are rules as to like where you can build and how you can build and what you can build with and who can build it. And it costs money and blah, 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 blah. When you are talking about the challenges of otherness, the biggest hurdle is that we have to be able to look at other people and people who are different of us sharing equal value. And so I don't mean like they should be equal as in like having equal rights and equal, equal, like we should have equity um, so that people are all given what they need. But they should be held with equal regard and equal value. Like they should have equal amount of humanness. So when we talk about equality and equity, it, it's like some challenges and hurdles that the language kind of gets in the way of it. I have posted in the Discord on the general channel two infographics. They may help people visualize equity, equality, and social justice empowerment better. Yeah, there's some really good visuals for this. Um, like making sure that everybody can see a game. Like the tall dude, and they're all standing behind a fence. The tall dude can just stand behind the fence. He doesn't need anything. And the short person needs something to stand on. Like that's equity, making sure that everyone has access to view the game, even though they have different needs to be able to do it. A lot of people don't want it. If we heal society, maybe equity will follow. I think that a lot of people that don't want it are delusional in that they think that these othernesses are protecting their self. I find this to be a very strange notion, but we see it a lot in America. My definition of who I am in no way changes, challenges, or shapes the definition of someone else's self. And yet other people are threatened. Their selfness is threatened by my selfness's existence. It's, it's very interesting. Yes, people who have drug addictions are definitely one of the marginalized groups in this country. And people don't want to help people who are drug addicts because of a lot of reasons there's a lot of there's a lot of stereotype there's a lot of stigma and a lot of people are using research that was poorly done in the 60s and 70s rather than looking at the more recent research that shows us 
time and time again in modern research on, on drug abuse and substance use disorders that individuals who are in a good, healthy community that meets their needs, substance abuse doesn't happen. Substance abuse is a direct result of being there being needs that are not being met and a desperate attempt to meet those needs. So if the needs are being met, the social problems take care of themselves. That's what research shows us. And yet America does not want to meet the basic social needs of individuals. And it's silly. I know it took me a few tries for the meaning behind those infographics to sink in. Yeah, I mean, they're not like inherently, oh, I get it, terms. Like there's a lot of layers to it and there's a lot of complexity to it. So to ask what does it look like is a challenge because what equity looks like is different for every individual. We had a whole unit on it in both my psychology and sociology classes in college. Yeah, we, we it's something that just like takes a lot of a lot of time to explain. Until we can value all people, there's going to be divides and otherness. Equity is literally as diverse as every human on this planet by its inherent nature. Absolutely. And that's why I can't tell you what equity looks like. And when we talk about equity, we also have to talk about realistic equity. It is, there's always going to be needs that are not met. That's that's a reality. Like the principles of triage in healthcare tells us that we frequently have situations where there are more needs than there are resources to meet those needs. Therefore, there are times where we have to make decisions as to what is the most just, fair, equitable, and um, moral way of distributing resources when there's a shortage of resources. So there's always going to be times in history and in culture and in a society when needs are not met. And that's when principles of triage come into play. And I don't believe in God. So I do not believe that God makes any decision. And relying on the rolling of the dice to meet people's needs is not justice. Because it is random chance where I was born and what body I was born into. So that roll of the dice should not carry all the weight in deciding whether or not my needs get met. In theoretical discussions, often the goal is to make the practical meet the ideal in, in smaller steps than the initial dream. Absolutely. So there's like this ideal, this dream, this hope, this wish, this perfect. And then an acknowledgement that reality doesn't work that way. But you should be striving towards an ideal. And deciding what that ideal should look like will dictate what directions you should be moving towards when you're trying to solve problems and when you're looking for solutions to things in life. Yeah, we have to decide, like, when are we going to, you know, we have to decide how we're going to allocate resources. And justice for the allocation of resources is one of the areas that America is most dismal at. So often in conversations where people discuss people are not equal or the practical cannot meet the ideal, it is used as an excuse to treat people really badly. Right. <laughs> that's that's exactly it. When we start making groups of other, otherness is used as a justification for treating people poorly. And when we say, well, that's not realistic, we can't achieve that to perfection, it is also often a justification. So I'm a nurse. You know, y'all know that. I can never be perfect in my practice, but every fucking day that I work as a nurse, I strive to make zero mistakes 
make no medication errors, to make no errors of oversight, to be perfect in my practice. That is always my goal every time I punch into the clock. Is it realistic that I will ever achieve perfection? Fuck no. I have never in the 20 years of my clinical practice achieved perfection. But it has always been 100% my goal to never make errors, to never fail someone, to always see the diagnosis that needs to be made. When we strive for perfection, we will not meet it because we are mortal beings who are imperfect creatures. But when we settle for something less than a perfect ideal, we are accepting a lower standard. We are accepting that things are just okay being shit. And they're not, they're not okay. Because no matter how high you aim, the reality is that we usually fall short of whatever we aim for. So if we aren't going to aim for perfection, and we're going to say 90% is good enough, that means we're probably only going to hit 80%. Is that good enough? When we could aim for perfection and hit 90%. The higher you aim, statistically, the more likely you are to achieve a higher output. So yeah, we're not going to meet perfection. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive to constantly make us closer to that ideal and constantly say, how can we do better? I find it funny that Psych is on the conversation in chats, even though they are in behind the camera. <laughs> I can never be perfect, but God knows those damn doctors think they are. Oh my good Lord. <laughs> there is a lot of ego in healthcare and it's not just doctors, nurses too. Nurses have a lot of ego problems and it is a culture that is programmed into you. Like when you go into nursing school, they teach you to be arrogant. They teach you to have that in your practice. It's gross. What if you don't have expectations and just faith? Well, then you're delusional because you always have expectations. Your faith might drive your expectations, but every human being has an expectation. Every human being has a standard that they believe should be met. Every human being has expectations as to how the world will treat them, how other people, like, do you believe that you are safe in your home? That's an expectation. Do you believe that that random person on the street walking towards you is going to hurt you or not? That's an expectation. Every human being's brain is programmed to have expectations. Our expectations are the ways in which we believe that the world will treat us and what is achievable. We all have those expectations inherently programmed into our brain. And it could be from our faith that we derive those expectations. It could be from social enculturation. It could be from the work that we do. It could be from the other people that we interact with. It's built on these layers of life experience. But we all have expectations. There's no such thing as being without expectations. I mean, if I'm only capable of doing 40% that day, then 40% is my max. Yes, your best looks different every day. And that is why I talk about it being important to always do your best. And if you truly, honestly offer your best every day, you will never have anything to regret or look bad, bad at yourself for. And our best is variable every day. So if all you can give is two hours of work, then that two hours of work is your 100%. You can never give more then you're 100%. And the only time you're giving 40% is if you could feasibly do more and you choose not to. 
There's no such thing as giving everything and doing your best and not meeting 100% because your 100% looks different every day. It's based on how many spoons you have. So then that 40% is your 100% for that day. Yeah, exactly. It's perspective. But that doesn't mean that your goal needs to change because you have a different potential output that day. So I always, every day, embrace the goal of being kind to other human beings. There are some days that I have no spoons and I only have knives and it is a real struggle to do fucking anything. And common courtesy genuinely becomes a struggle. When your pain is a 10 and you're struggling just to fucking exist, it is really hard to be nice to other people. It's really hard to even acknowledge and be aware of other people's needs because you're so entrenched in your own struggle. But that doesn't mean that I didn't give it my 100% that day. It just means that what my 100% is that day is much less. And it doesn't mean that I should change my goal. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't wake up that day and say that my goal is to be nice to every human being that I encounter today. I, I shouldn't be saying, in my opinion, I shouldn't be saying, well, today's a shit day, so it's okay for me to be an asshole today. Nope. That's not my standard. My standard is that every day I am going to do my best to embrace the spirit of kindness and be good to other human beings on the planet because they are humans and they deserve it, regardless of where I'm at in life. Regardless of how many spoons I have and regardless of what struggles that I am facing, I every day struggle to give kindness. Is that going to look different every day? Yeah. And that's okay, but it doesn't change the goal. It doesn't change that ideal. The output and that performance, absolutely variable. That's human nature. That's being mortal. But the goal doesn't change or it shouldn't change. 